Fires in the Front podcast, and coming to me via Zoom, pinch hitting for Roy is Mark Wilkins from Mad Friars. Mark, the newest San Diego resident, Mark Wilkins. How are you? Good. It's good to be back. It's been a long time, so it's uh, it's a lot different than the desert for sure. You know how uh, how long were you in Phoenix? How long? Yeah, uh, almost exactly two years. I missed two years by about a week and a half. Uh, and that's God. That's that's a long time to be in Phoenix. That's two summers worth, which is the lifetime worth of 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 summers. <laughs> it's uh, it's different than anything I've ever experienced. That's for sure. So you came back to San Diego. You got the killer new job. Can you talk a little bit about your new job? That's kind of cool, man. I I, I don't collect cars, but it's pretty cool. Uh, yeah, if, if you like hockey, if you like hockey cards, uh, uh, that's what I'm writing now, doing, writing and editing uh, copy for them. So it's, it's pretty cool. Um, yeah, there, there's, a, there's there are way more sets of cards than I ever knew because there are so many that, that are in the hobby shops. And uh, I know Kevin could probably tell me that. I know for sure Tom could tell me that. I just wasn't really paying attention, but it's pretty cool. Well, about the only thing I know about hockey, well, my connection to hockey is uh, I've been to a Preds game, obviously been to a goals game, but uh, the Preds, my brother, and my dad live outside of Nashville and uh, we went to a Preds game and it was, it was several years ago and they were like, so it was their first or second maybe year in the league. And it was insane. It was like, I was, it was, it was insane how into it the fans were. Um, they already had chance every time like a goal happened. Uh, they had this chant. We're like, thank you. Thank you. May we have another. And um, it's funny because Liddy doesn't like any, she does not like to, it's even in my wedding vows, you can't, you can't heckle professional sports players. You can't, she just, it makes them feel bad. I'm like, no, it doesn't. So they were doing that and <laughs> she was just getting madder and I was, I was freaking digging it. So uh, I guess there's a hockey team in, uh, I'll pick, I'd pick the Preds. That's cool. Yeah, they, they have a, a good atmosphere. A lot of different uh, hockey teams have really, especially if you've grown up, I mean, you know, growing up in San Diego, NHL was always a little bit far away. So, like, I didn't experience a hockey game until I was actually living in the Bay Area. So it's been interesting to get around and kind of see what they have. It's definitely uh, definitely different than baseball. And, yeah, there's definitely uh, uh, a lot of uh, words and other things thrown at the other team for sure. Yeah. <laughs> so, hey, before you before you moved out here, did you do? Uh, we'll get into the podcast here. What uh, did you get any time in spring training? Did you get any any trigger time in the backfields? Barely any. I was I was packing up. I was working a lot, so uh, I, I wasn't out there much. Yeah, and, and this year was so kind of funny with the lockout, everything kind of coming up so quick. Uh, we were able to make it out there for a weekend, and uh, got it, it kind of it. It was great to get out there, but it kind of sucked because because of the schedule, usually you can go there and watch like a day game, uh, you know, several games at once in the backfields. And then your, you know, your regular major league spring training games up in, you know, at, at night at six o'clock, but the uh, you know, the games, the minor league game started in the, at one o'clock. And then most of the games that we went to, all the games we went to started at one o'clock. So we had to bounce out pretty quick and uh, you know, just got a chance to check out a little bit of the, uh, the backfield action. Yeah, we got uh, John and David were able to go, which was helpful because I wasn't able to do much. Um, it was just nice to see it open, I guess. But right. yeah, it was um, it was definitely a different different feeling with the scheduling and everything. But at least it was somewhat normal. Yeah, 
it, it was somewhat normal. The fences, we were able to go around. I ran into a bunch of the players that we've had on the podcast. Ran into uh, Dave Miller, Dave Miller, Evan Miller's dad. Uh, I was talking to somebody. Dude, I was talking to somebody, and uh, he heard my name. He heard me say my name, and then like, I got done talking to that person. I walked away, and he's like, did, did you say your name's Donovan? I'm like, yeah, I wasn't expecting anyone, you know, to obviously recognize me or hear my name or listen to the podcast. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm Dave Miller. I'm, I'm Evan Miller's dad. I'm like, holy shit. He's like, yeah, I listen to your podcast all the time. I'm like, oh, that's fantastic. Uh, ended up chatting with him for a while, um, and that was kind of cool, you know, and just kind of catching up with some of the guys uh, for a minute or two in the backfields, and then obviously making the game. And, dude, watching C.J. Abrams just – Every game, I think it, a home run, the first game with the Brewers, um, just tore it up. And then later, later in the games, a couple of those um, Jackson Merrill got in, um, you know, uh, well, former Padre, Uribe uh, Angeles got in, some of the guys that we've kind of followed in, uh, well, Angeles we followed in Lake Elsinore last year, but, you know, Jackson Merrill certainly was, uh, looked good as well. And it was kind of fun. And that's when I go to spring training, it's fine to see the major league guys. I, I really, it really matters to me, you know, right around the fifth and sixth inning when they start getting the minor league guys in, that's kind of fun. It's fun because you never really, sometimes you have an idea who's might go in as far as pitchers, but you never really know what to expect. And all of a sudden it's, you know, sometimes it's a guy you didn't think was going to be with the team that day. Sometimes it's a guy playing a position you don't expect. I know Abrams jumped in those games in the outfield, things like that. So yeah, it's always kind of, uh, kind of interesting when they sub those guys out. Absolutely. So, um, I, I, this is breaking news. I guess this is breaking news that uh, Mackenzie Gore was brought up today. It was tweeted out by uh, by Dennis Lynn, by Kevin Acey, that Mackenzie Gore is with the team in San Francisco. Uh, Blake Snell's availability for his Friday start is up in the air. Um, my wallet says, please, please, please start and make your major league debut on Friday because I just spent a lot of money on a ticket um, and. <laughs> I had some explaining to do to Liddy because um, it was quite expensive, but uh, yeah, he's, he's with the team and uh, he could be making his major league debut this, um, this Friday. Yeah. I, I imagine he starts because they have really no incentive to not put Snell on the IL. It's still a 10 day IL for pitchers. Yeah. Uh, Gore was everything they wanted in spring. He was everything they wanted in that first start in El Paso. Uh, I just don't, in, in the, you know, Bottom line, the Padres are still trying to win ball games. It's not going to hurt Gore to bring him up to do it. It could hurt Snell. Um, he was, Snell was supposed to throw today, so it, I don't know what happened. I didn't read anything. I just got off work an hour ago, but right. I imagine it probably <laughs> either didn't happen or he threw. He, he, he still he, felt he played something. Catch. He played catch. Yeah. And then, so, and then I talked to Melvin, and Melvin said, uh, "You know, we'll know more tomorrow after he throws again." So, but he's looking yeah. headed to the IL. Yeah, and they, and they can they can retroactive that, so it's it's not the end of the world for Snell, even if he's just feeling a little tight. But it gets you know you got an option, and it's nice to have an option to actually go out there. You feel it can go a few innings. Last year you didn't have that, so with Gore you feel like hey, you know if he's if he's on, you're expecting four or five, maybe even six innings, depending on the pitch count. Yeah, absolutely. And and now I mean you saw him in the Arizona Fall League where the. I mean, did you get catch any of his starts in spring training? Have you seen a difference between what you saw in the fall league and to what you maybe saw in the spring in spring training? It's a, the next step in the process. You know, when he was in uh, when he was in the complex league, it was just come out, and throw strikes, 
and get your confidence up. And then when it was the fall league, it was all right. They're facing you know, a lot of AAA level guys. A lot of guys are kind of around his level. And it was don't walk anyone. Challenge these guys. And he got hit some. He got barreled. Um, the velocity was not what it was in spring, but he came out and he was able to put together all his pieces to get the velocity in there from what I saw. So it's it's not even that he's the guy he was in 2019 again. It's just that he's something now in 2022 that's put together a lot of different things. You know, and he, it, it's funny to hear him, the not the evolution, but just how he talks about it now. Like even when he was in Arizona Fall League, he's like, hey, we're just trying to get things right. We're just, you know, it was it was humbling. It was very just like I'm just trying to get better. We're just trying. We are just trying to make me better. Um, and even even during the spring training, what he was talking about was just like, hey, I'm just I'm just going out there and trying to compete, trying to do well, trying to get fixed. None of this. I expect to do this or I'm going to do that. You know, kind of the the brouhaha the or, you know, some of the hyperbole you would hear from a from a top prospect. So I, I love the humbling down of, of Mackenzie Gore and certainly if he starts this Friday I mean that is the championship lineup um sans Freddie Freeman but they got um they picked up God, I don't want to see Marikana but um the first baseman for the Oakland you know so that lineup is a major major league lineup that he may be facing on Friday so um my expectation for that is for him to I, you know, I didn't think they might bring him up for maybe one or two starts because they kept saying, the you know, Padres were saying, when we bring him up, you know, he's here to stay. I don't see him shuttling him after a couple of a, a couple of outings, uh, even if he dominates um, and the center back to El Paso. I mean, I don't know. It's it's just kind of weird. Yeah, if he dominates, you, you have a real tough argument to send him back. And I mean, the reality with Snell is we don't know if or when, and we also don't right. know when Snell is going to be able to go more than a few innings. So what if Snell becomes part of a piggyback somewhere else? We don't know. I mean, right. it's, uh, I, I'm just all for, Hey, if he's starting Friday, see what he can do. And I'm sure, I'm sure they have a wait and see attitude. Like, Hey, if he comes out and he is what he was in spring training in that first El Paso start, that's a, that's a problem you want to have. That's a decision you want to have to make. So just go for it. Right. Yeah. That and Clevenger as well. So, I mean, he could be, he could be the, the piggyback, or maybe yeah, if I would think he'd come in after the 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 major league guys of Snell and the Clevengers. But um God, and I watched that start in El Paso and he just like I'm like, oh my God, thank God. I just there was a sense of relief um that he had gotten back because it just gotten so bad with him for so long that you didn't know. And we preach it here on the podcast, like development isn't linear. Like even the top prospects, um, you know, Hunter Green just made his his uh his major league debut after having Tommy John. Um, Mike Libator, I think, was the same guy that was drafted with Ryan Weathers. Um, you know, it took him a while to get him. I don't even think he's in the major leagues yet, but and he's also traded uh or, traded to another organization, but just it's not every year they get better. Very rarely do they does that happen. You know, there's not everyone could be a Fernando Tetis Jr. or you know, the, the elite player. So um, I was just it's a relief that he's He's back and he's still really good. Um, and yeah, that's, it's pretty good. Yeah, definitely. Because uh, honestly, if he had another year, like last year, he probably would have fallen out of the top, at least the top 20, if not more than that in the organization, yeah. it, it was a real, like, you know, I think everyone was willing to keep him in his spot because he always years like that happen. But if he came out and was doing the exact same things, it would have been 
a real problem. And instead, he's doing the opposite, which, yeah, a huge relief, like you said. Yeah, absolutely. So let's move on. Um, you know, we had media day. The storm had the media day up here. Well, now that you're in San Diego, I'm sure they'll be shipping you up to Lake Elsinore on the occasional weekend jaunt. Um, this last week they had the media day, and uh, I. So what we normally do uh, in years prior to COVID is we get together with one of the top prospects. We did it with Mackenzie Gore. We did it with Luis Patino. Uh, we did it with uh, Joey Cantillo, who's no longer with us. He's with the Cleveland organization. Um, we had a shirt designed uh, with their permission. And we, even with Ryan Weathers, we had his input. Um, and we sold the shirts for for um, for fundraiser. So in the past, we had sold those shirts for um, for the Lake Elsinore Booster Club when when the Major League Baseball wasn't paying for housing. And we'll get into that here in a minute. When they weren't paying for housing, uh, when they didn't have raises, so the the uh, the booster club, you know, is a is an organization that uh, that raises funds to help with uh, you know help with meals, help with uh, the essential stuff for for players like toothpaste and toiletries, just kind of all the regular stuff that you know costs money, but it, and but it means a lot to the players. And so um so what I've done this year is I've partnered with Jackson Merrill and James Wood to uh to design a shirt and we're going to raise funds for another chipotle gift card giveaway with uh with adopt a minor leaguer mike over to adopt a minor leaguer so i got their uh, i got their blessing and i'll be going up there later this week to take some pictures uh but we hope to have that design out pretty soon and then sell that and then like like I've, in the past like i don't i don't we don't make money I, I don't do this to make money i won't pocket one penny of this stuff um It'll go directly to uh, to adopt a minor leaguer and raise a Chipotle gift card, which was something cool that we did uh, last year at the uh, the last. It was the last series. I took it took several weeks to raise that money because it was like fifteen hundred bucks for fifty twenty five dollar gift cards. Uh, that and finally we we made the money uh, and I brought up fifty game, uh, cards twenty five for the storm and then twenty five for the Inland Empire sixty sixers. So they were like, what are you doing? I'm like, well, here, this is from Adopt a Minor Leaguers. If you guys ever need anything, please contact them. Uh, my podcast covers the Padres minor league system. So that's what we're going to be doing. I don't know exactly what it's going to look like. I, I I got some ideas running around in my head, but it's going to be with Jackson Merrill and James Wood. And uh, it's going to be real fun. Well, that's cool. I mean, those are two really good names to have for one. And then uh, they, they're both, uh, they kind of grew up around each other, not necessarily with each other all the time, but they've known each other. They're both from out in uh, Maryland, kind of the DC area. So there's a lot of history there. That's pretty cool. Yeah. You know, I talked to, uh, I talked to Jackson's agent and he had told me that and I had no idea. I didn't think about it when I saw both their numbers going Oh, they're both in Maryland. I, I didn't, it didn't put two and two together, but uh, yeah, so that's, that's really cool. Um, but let's move on to some of the meat of the podcast. So this, this is such a small, such a, a small sample size of, of games played before we broadcast today. Um, I'm going to have one story for each affiliate. Uh, and then we have a little bit of news here that I'm going to talk about because, you know, we, we mentioned before was major league baseball is paying for housing for minor league players. So adopt uh, advocates for minor leaguers for the longest time we're pushing major league baseball to kind of come out with that and what does that look like like for the regular guy in a ball that's just playing ball sure he can share a room maybe even get his own room in uh you know with a teammate but what about players with with children with wives you know some of the older players uh that are on the aren't on the 40 man are still making dog you know 
making low wages. So this came from Jack Siner uh, from the AP. Minor league housing plan freezes out players with families. Minor leaguers with wives and children are finding out days before the start of the season that some teams are not taking their families into account as a part of the new policy guaranteeing housing for players. The Associated Press spoke with two married players who were only informed at the tail end of spring training that teams housing, team housing would require them to share apartments, and in one case, a bedroom with teammates. So when, when you go, and so they have to opt in or opt out. And, and that's kind of the big thing here is so if they opt out because, hey, I get my, I'm bringing my wife, I get a small kid, uh, you know, I'm 25, 26 or whatever, um, they opt out, then they have to they have to pay for it themselves. So, you know, the leader in a prominent advocacy group uh, said those experiences are reflective of what players are facing in several other organizations. Quote, at this point, we're a few days away from players going to the minor league affiliates, said Harry Moreno, executive director of Advocates for Minor Leaguers. And yet, as we sit here, some players still don't know how they're going to be housed this season. Now, when I was up in Elsinore, I asked a player, uh, and he did not bring his wife. So I, you know, I don't have any firsthand accounts, but they, you know, they had talked to a couple of guys here um, on this, and it continues. Teams who have told players. You will have your own furnished apartment and you have your own bedroom, no matter what level you're at, have done a tremendous amount to alleviate a lot of instability and anxiety, Marino said. But in some places, that hasn't been the case for married players, including two who spoke to AP on condition of anonymity because they feared retribution from their parent clubs for commenting publicly. One player with a pregnant wife was told Tuesday that he hasn't been assigned, that he's been assigned to his team's high A club and that he would have to report to his new city by Sunday. This is last week. Uh, that's also when he learned his team would only provide arrangements that slept two players per room, the minimum standard outlined in MLB's policy. We don't know if we're being forced either to find housing on our own with no help or if we're going to have to go months without seeing wives and children, he said. The minimum salary for high A is $2,000 a month, and the player says renting at, teams, at the team's apartment complex costs 1700 $1, bucks a month. His wife, expecting the couple's first child, works part-time online but has forgone a full-time job so she can be with the player during the season. We can't imagine being apart for six months, seven months, he said. I feel bad for her because she shouldn't have to go through so much uncertainty when she's already going through so much as, the, as it is. What, chances, uh, what changes she's going through in all these appointments, wanting to develop a relationship with a doctor but not knowing where the heck you're going to be on a given day, week or month, like there's just no consistency. So that's a real big problem for these guys. Um, what do you, you know, what, uh, you know, what do you say about that? I just hate strings attached. You know, it, it was such a feel good story when it was like, okay, look, they're, they're going to get, they're going to give it where the league's in and take care of the housing. And now there's all these things where these guys are, they have to report to their teams. And, and you think about, it's a, it's a more complex problem than you first realize. Cause like, like right. you read in there, the, the, the guys are in extended spring training and all of a sudden they shake out. They don't know if they're, some guys don't know if they're going to the West coast. They don't know if they're going to Texas. They don't know if they're going to the East coast and uh, they don't make the money to go get housing. And if they had the money to get housing, they're worried they're going to get sent down, called up, traded or cut. So they're not going to get anything permanent. So it's just like the, the answer is house these guys. And there's always some, some holdup to it. And, you know, like, like in surprise, Arizona, the Rangers and the Royals have, it looks like college dorms. It's got the big logos okay. on it. And they've got classrooms, meeting halls, 
different size rooms to accommodate different levels of players and different living situations. And when I think wealthiest teams in the league, I don't think Royals or Rangers. I, I mean, the Rangers have some money, but the Royals are probably middle of the pack, middle, lower of the pack. And yeah. they've got these, these campuses for their players. And, and you know that some of the teams on that, if they were to just talk about some of these teams, you know that there are some disgustingly wealthy teams on that list. It just, yeah. it just sucks for everyone. You know, it's funny. Uh, when, uh, when we went out to spring training, well, we went out to uh, Peoria. On the week, I was supposed to be there for fantasy camp. And, you know, I drove by first. I drove by the Padres complex in the morning. Like, hey, there's a, you know, the gate was locked, but I still stopped by and said, hey, is there anyone working out? No, no, no. Okay, I know I'd figured so much, but we ended up going over to Texas and the Royals. Just that was the nearest place nearby. Right. And you go by and you see this big building. It looks like an apartment building and it has a big KC on it. And you're like, oh, shit. So would you saying that absolutely made me think of Hell, yeah, that's that's what they've done. Now, I have seen on 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 social media several players tweeting videos of really nice furnished apartments. Um, I think one was was actually the Baltimore Orioles. I think it was D-backs for for one. Um, so there is, you know, for the your everyday player, seems like they've got you know a little bit of a handle on this, but they have to you know the fine details, and they had plenty of time with with the lockout with 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 the you know the announcement from last year to to now on how to define that and let those guys know like look here's what we can do and i understand that this is the first time they're doing this like next year hopefully we'll be better there'll be a little more clarity um you like to think um i'm an optimist but you know when it comes to mlb they're you know they just they seem to be shooting themselves in the foot all the time yeah, I mean, it's it's great to see the positive stories, and there are so many more, but it's always – there's a few frustrating stragglers where it's just like, it's not hard, just do it. It doesn't yeah. cost a lot for what you're spending, do it. Right, and the player says here, every single time I ask questions, it was always it was always just, I need to talk to someone to figure out hotels, or I need to figure it out if it's possible. He said, they're acting as if they're caught off guard by the situation, even though they had so much time. Some AAA players who are on the Major League roster – you know, with a minimum salary of $57,000 a year, like they're not covered by this. And that's fine. $57,000 is, is plenty enough money in most cities. I would even say, you know, somewhere like Lake Elsinore or even in New York, which is a little more expensive to live, um, that can get you by. Um, they're not covered. But, you know, the player that they spoke from, the AP spoke to, didn't have a major league deal, and he was stunned to learn that his club had only arranged for five two-bedroom apartments to accommodate all eligible players. Triple-A players are generally older, and the player who spoke with AP estimated half the team has a significant other, and many of those have children and or pets. That's another thing. Like, what if your dogs don't get along? Like, I got a cat. I'm bringing a cat. Yeah, then I got a dog. Oh, my, you know, it's kind of a mess. <laughs> yeah, it's... it's probably more than more complicated than they ever thought about but if if they can't do this then the answer is this is why they're going to end up owing back pay and this is why they're going to end up paying them a lot more so it, it, they should be incentivized to handle the housing or else they're going to end up paying i mean heaven forbid a living wage right yeah and that's still something that i i you know advocates for minor leaguers and major league needs to do they you know the the off-season wage um the in-season wage is still ridiculously uh, it's just ridiculous. Uh, and then, you know, they're really pushing for an off 
season wage. And we're not talking, it it wouldn't be much, you know, depending on level, depending, I would think depending on level or depending on age or length of, um, you know, however they figure that out. But, you know, to have these guys have to get jobs, have to live with parents, um, you know, and those are the lucky ones that can live with parents. Like several, several players have had to get full-time jobs doing, you know, doing construction work where one slip and a fall and they're done, you know, or they got to sacrifice working to pay for the bills instead of working out and getting better at baseball. So I think the, the next step with, um, you know, with advocates for minor leaguers and the evolution of better tribute for minor league players certainly has got to be the off season, uh, you know, an off season stipend and a, you know, a raising in, in season, an off season stipend and the ability for these guys to have that, that, you know, so they can, you know, keep working out and not have to work during the full season or at the very least, maybe part time. Fine. You know, have them, you know, pay for like three quarters of, of what it would cost. Yeah. I mean, like you said, if you're working full time, you can't get better at something that requires your full attention. And right. if, if these organizations are expecting these guys to, to develop and ideally they would want every single player to develop. So they're forced with the scenario of who to call up and who to trade. And if, if these guys can't do that because they're working, it's something that the team should be more concerned about than they are. Yeah. You know, kind of like once you get to be a big leaguer and you, you know, there's stipulations in your contract, you can't do certain things. Uh, and, and I'm sure being, you know, construction might be one of them. <laughs> if you were a major leaguer or, you know, riding a motorcycle, eh. You know, but we'll see how that that was kind of a little shot. Yeah, that's (laughs) yeah, they definitely uh definitely don't want them on the motorcycles, but yeah, I mean construction carries a risk every day at some of these jobs and and obviously organization organization it varies, we don't know, but it's something that um they got too many of these guys hung out to dry in the offseason in a lot of these places. Yeah. You know, and that and that really affects once they get into once they get into, uh, you know, once they get into spring training, you know, and they're kind of behind some on the development that need, that they need to do in the offseason. But let's move on. So, like I said before, we, uh, you know, we have a small little affiliate rundown. I've got, you know, one story from each, uh, from each affiliate, and uh, then we'll get out of here and uh, let Mark get about his day. Enjoy his hard-earned after work, I don't know, <laughs> walk on the beach or whatever. It's just, what, what were you doing before? Before you had an office job, you know, before you did something that you're, you know, you love. Uh, 14 years of retail. Yeah. Yeah. It's a little different feeling. Much different feeling. You know, I have to get up early, you know, it's not, you know, and you really like it's draining. Like I, I know retail, what I do in food service, it's draining. I have to be with people. I have to be on all the time, which is easy, but still it's draining. Um, you know, but now you have to like work and think hard and I'm not, you know, I'm pretty sure what you do isn't easy. Uh, it's a different kind of feel. It's a totally different, like my, my brain has been worked in a totally different way. I just totally fried this week, but it's been a lot of fun. I bet. Is there any, is there any perks to that? Are you gonna be able to go to any, um, you know, you're going to get NHL tickets to be able to go to the all-star game. Um, I know, I know that there are some like shows and then they've done things like they've, they've sent people to like the heritage classic and the all-star game and all that. I don't know how one gets to be in that. So um, maybe. (laughs) (laughs) 
my uh so my uh, uh a good friend of ours a good friend of Liddy's, uh his brother uh well well michael price writes for the simpsons but his brother uh writes for nhl back in in new jersey in new york so um he's always he's always getting to go to those kind of things I'm like, oh, that's, nice. that's kind of cool bill price real sweet he's a real sweet guy um so let's move on so let's start with the storm so the storm you have Jackson Merrill and you have James Wood and Kyle Glazer was there uh, for the game. And this is what he wrote. So this is from Kyle Glazer from Baseball America. He was president of Friday Storm game for Jackson Merrill and James Wood's affiliate debut. Wood hit two long home runs and Merrill had two doubles. The Padres two top draft picks last year. Merrill and Wood accounted for four of Lake Elsinore's five extra base hits in the route. They're great to have Lake Elsinore's manager, Eric Youngie. Young uh, said, there's more than two guys on this team. I would say there is a real good offensive core and some pitching, but when you have two very bright stars in the making, potentially there's a long way to go. There's a long way to go in these kids' careers. We're not going to anoint anybody tonight, but it was a special night, especially for James. It was awesome. So after chasing a foul, uh, full count breaking ball for a strikeout in the first inning and hitting a ground ball that deflected off the pitcher's for an infield single in the third in the fourth facing hard throwing inland empire right-hander Kelvin Carceres would get a first pitch fastball over the plate and launched it over the center field fence for a three run home run. The home run traveled the estimated 427 feet and left his bat at 107 miles an hour. That's another great thing about this year in minor leagues. They have all that track man data. And yeah, that's, see, as you, that's awesome. And I, I was watching that game, and as you see the ball go over, you see it goes right over where the pitch, uh, the pitch velocity is, and it said 95. So it was like, hell yeah, the kid put it together with a 95 mile heater. <clears throat> Excuse me. First home run, I was really just looking to jump on a fastball early, said Wood 19. I had an idea it was gone. I knew it, I knew I got it, but I was like, if it goes out, we'll figure that out later. After grounding out in the fifth inning, he stepped up against left-handed reliever Joey Walsh in the seventh and clubbed a full-count breaking ball over the right high wall in right field for a two-run homer. The trackman data on that blast was not available. He broke trackman. Yeah, I'm not surprised that there's no data on that one. I saw that clip. Because <laughs> he posted that video, and you're like, holy cow, that's a yeah. You know, and, and what, I, what I like about him so far, and I, the minute I've talked to him, is like he is – he is low, like he's got ice in his veins. He is chill. He is uh, calm. He's quiet. Um, he's one of those guys where, you know, he's just from where my first impression was, you know, he's not loud. He's not boisterous. He's not, you know, just kind of, just kind of quiet and like going about his business, which I really like. Yeah. Wood is, uh, there's a lot of things about Wood that I think people didn't expect when they, when they saw the initial write-ups on the draft pick for sure. Well, you know, and, and when I did talk to him, he, I, that's the first thing I thought. Well, if, well, if you talk to him, you know, he it does that, you know, that's just like, hey, what's going on kind of uh, demeanor. It almost sounds like he's disinterested, but that's just the way he is. So, you know, maybe maybe some of the scouts have got a chance that, you know, um, God, um, can't remember his name. They wrote up the, uh, the piece that kind of knocked him on him, not really caring about yeah, Keith Law wrote about that, and we've talked about that on the podcast. I don't want to get any farther into that, but like I can see where they can go. Well, he just sounds disinterested. Well, that's just maybe the way he is, and I, I liked it because it's just like it, it, baseball is a tough game. You can't 
but particularly when you're that young and you just starting your pro day, you know, your pro career that you just, just being relaxed. So this is what he said. I was sort of just really just going and looking for a fastball. And then I got lucky. He hung a slider over the plate and I was able to do something with it. It was a good feeling for sure. He's got a chance to be a special player. Jung said he can keep it simple. He's good in the outfield. He's got pop has instincts. The world is his oyster. If he wants it, it's, it's there for him. Maybe we'll put that on a shirt. <laughs> the world is his oyster. Um, notably Merrill left, uh, hits left-handed and both of his doubles came off a left-hander and experienced one at that in 22 year old Jose Salvador, who's repeating the league. Merrill fell behind Oh two in his first at bat before hanging, hanging in on a breaking ball and driving it over the head and off the glove of in an empire left fielder, Trent Duvall Duvall and Merrill's second at bat. He hung in another breaking ball and drove the one no offering into the left field gap to the wall. He's also converting every one of his defensive chances at shortstop without issuing, uh, without issue, excuse me, uh, showing smooth footwork and actions and reliable glove and accurate arm. He's got a bright future, Young said. I like the way he was trying to hit the ball to left field. It looks like he was trying to do that with success. I mean, he barreled a few balls, again, with, with good hands, good instincts, good, good player. You know, it's funny. I I talked to so the next day I ended up you know talking to his uh, talking to his agent. And I'm like, dude, did you told him like this isn't that easy? Like, you know, getting two doubles in your first game is it going to happen every time? And he kind of laughed and yeah, it was kind of funny. Yeah, Merrill's got a very good approach for his age. He he um he doesn't get he doesn't get beat much which is really impressive at the, the level that he's at. And um, I think, I think for the Padres, they're just, they're just waiting for him to um, grow more into his frame and just add some pop. I mean, everything else looks, looks so great at the plate. It's really, it's really awesome to watch. Yeah. Both of them. Did you get any chance to see either one of those guys in, uh, in instructs or in the uh, extended spring training last year? Um, I saw them in the complex league. Okay. The, the, I, I saw Good amount, of, uh, especially Merrill. I saw saw Wood a bit there, and um, you know what, what Glazer said about Wood was exactly what I my initial impression felt like. So that that was spot on. They still do the same thing. It's just that you don't expect him to command a strike zone the way he does based on his high school stats and based on the scouting reports. And with Merrill, it's um, he's really taken a step in in this year compared to last year as far as. Um, just the power, just just everything else. I mean, and, and and you have to remember with complex league, some of these guys get real tired. You know, they're they're coming off their their high school season. Some of these guys trail off. It's it's a, it's a weird season, but um, they, it's cool to see both those guys just launch right into the season, just doing doing what they do. Yeah, you know, you never you don't really think about that. They they're not conditioned. They're only conditioned to play high school ball. Maybe, yep. um, you know, they're not conditioning for another you know 15 20 what 30 games i think in uh in the uh in the complex league after getting drafted um and you're right falling off like that but they came back and they both looked good um that those both those frames um you know what i think about wood was he's not he's not big he's not thick like the the frame is there so we can add the weight but it's not like he's he's chunky he's just there's the frame is there the muscle can you know, can be put on there, I think, in a healthy way. Yeah, he's not 
people see the height, they hear right. they hear about the power, and they, they just automatically make assumptions based on other players of that height. And he's not that guy right now. Yeah. He doesn't have to be that guy. He can be something completely different. And I bet you he's probably tired of hearing about his size. Right. You know, he doesn't he doesn't play like a like a guy that's that height. And it's it's cool to watch. And and right now, you know, obviously he could put on some some muscle on his frame. He could change. But right now, he's still a, a solid center fielder, and that's really cool yeah. to see. Yeah, absolutely. So let's move on to Fort Wayne. This is from Mad Friars um, for Sunday's game. First uh, first game in a doubleheader, the Tin Caps got back-to-back first inning homers from Robert Hassel III, who actually hit a two-run uh, go-ahead, I think, three-run shot today, right before we got to uh, taping. And then Josh Mears uh, hit a homer and never looked back in the opener as they trounced Dayton 13-2. to it was the start of a huge day for Mears, who added a double and a second homer high off the scoreboard beyond left field wall in the first game and clubbed another double in the nightcap. He finished the series with four extra base hits, eight strikeouts, a walk in 13 plate, and a walk in his 13 plate appearances. You know, that eight strikeouts is, uh, you know, is to be expected with a power guy like that. He has really, you know, quick hands um, and plenty of time for to develop there, I think, with him. You know, with with uh, with Mears, I forget that he's 21. I always forget how young he is because he's been around and he's been kind of more in the eye than. And I think part of it too is that the, like these recent prospects. I mean, C.J. Abrams had almost his entire minor league career under the shroud of darkness because of COVID. Like, uh, no one really even saw Abrams talk to anyone at any point. Right. So with Mears, it's kind of like, oh yeah, he's been around forever, but he hasn't, and and he's. Uh, I mean, what he does when he's on is incredible, and they're still working on it. And Hassel is—I mean, God, I hope they don't package Hassel with anyone to yeah. shed some salary. <laughs> Absolutely, and you know, so many of the fan base were like, "Yes, we want Reynolds, or we want this guy." Like, no, 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 no. Like AJ, he did that last year. You know, um, you know, a guy like um, the Gabriel Arias, you know, is knocking at the door over in Cleveland. You know, hitting hitting really well in AAA for the Clippers there. Um, yeah, uh, and you know what I like about Mears is he's I'm like he's kind of the, what the fear I have with with him is like he that boy is built. I mean, he is stocky. You look at someone like Pierce, someone else like yeah, he's he's chiseled. Mears, he can crush a you know a cue ball. Just just a big muscly guy, and I hope that muscle doesn't you know start tearing tendons and stretching out tendons in. I really hope they have a flexibility plan with him to kind of keep limber because that is nothing, but he's beefcake. Yeah. It's funny. You, you always get all the talk about wood people saying he should be playing another sport, but mirrors is always a guy. I wonder why he, he chose baseball just because he looks like he could, he could be uh, tackling guys or catching passes or something <laughs> else. But um, I mean, especially now with his value is, as a prospect is so different with the universal DH now too. I mean, yeah. he's just a guy that even, even if he never quite develops in the field, if he can keep mashing baseballs and work on that swing, he's going to, he's going to be something. Absolutely. So at 21 mirrors has some of the best raw power in the game, but his swing remains a work in progress after missing uh, time and multiple injuries last year, he'll be challenged to make adjustment at high a as the season progresses. Hassel who got the scoring started with the novice field blast added a single and a walk, on the day and has reached base in seven of his 13 plate appearances on the young season. Uh, infield Gerald Dale, who connected on a homer and a double on the day, 
while logging time at both second and short. The 21-year-old Australian has a 112 uh, ISOP, 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 excuse me, playing for Elsinore last year and has continued to fill out his frame and could see a spike in production this year. Yeah, I, you know, I've watched Gerald since he was in like 17 playing in the Australian League. And I saw him this year and like, oh, that's a different guy. That's like, that's who is that? Oh, that's Jared Dale. Like that boy is, he is really filled out. He was such a kid at 17. If he can fill out and break out, I mean, I know the, a lot of people in the front office are huge on Jared Dale. They just love that super versatility, just a ball yeah. player. Um, although I do have to shout out the biggest Jared Dale fan on the planet is Kevin Charity. But okay. um, <laughs> <laughs> I think he had him higher than anyone in, in the, the top 20s. But if he can, uh, if Dale can have that sort of breakout where he fills out and just, just progresses through the levels. I mean, he's a guy that he's a sleeper. He really is. Nice. Nice. So moving, just move on to San Antonio. This also, I believe, is from uh, this also from Mad Friars. I want to thank Mad Friars for allowing us to use his content. Obviously, we allow us to use Mark tonight, uh, John Conov, David J, all the guys over there. We really appreciate you guys using the content, and uh, I really appreciate uh, just really appreciate it. Can I say appreciation anymore? Can I just be more? Kissy of the tushy. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I think you covered it. I think it's good. <laughs> so Saturday, Mark, Mark Waldron, friend of the podcast, allowed one run on just two hits across five innings of work. The last time Matt Waldron was put in the missions jersey, he allowed five earned runs and failed to record it out in the mission season finale last year. Now, Sunday, the missions collected 20 hits, drew a franchise record 12 walks, and scored 16 runs on the way to a 16-3 victory over the Corpus Christi Hooks. Seven missions hitters recorded multi-hit games highlighted by a four-hit performance by Robert Podorsky. I think is probably the fastest guy still, probably one of the fastest guys in the league, um, Robbie Podorsky. The missions hit for the cycle as a team after Jorman Rodriguez connected on a two-run home run in the eighth inning. This was the first time the missions had scored a record or have recorded 20 or more hits. Uh, since June 18th, 2019 against Reno, when they recorded 22 hits with the win. San Antonio proves a two and one of the season. Actually, this came from the missions themselves. So I apologize for that. That came straight from the missions. Um, they also left like a ton of guys on base, I believe, in that game as well. So it was just a hit parade. So outfielder Estuary Ruiz finished HR shy of the cycle. Uh, three for four with a triple-double, three runs and three RBIs and a base on ball. Corey Howe, the number 15 prospect, was one for five, two runs, two base hit uh, with a double base on balls and two Ks. Um, Thomas Eshelman, his pitching line was five innings, four hits, one earned run, one base on balls and three Ks. We got him in a um, – I looked him up. He's one of our draft picks, yeah? Uh, Eshelman, I believe so. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't recognize the name, and I believe I looked it up, uh, but I looked it up like two days ago, so I didn't – I didn't put a note in there. So um, all nine starters reached base at least once. Eight of the nine recorded at least one base hit. Five stolen bases as a team, including two for Brandon Dixon. Uh, just a really, really great game. Uh, that was Saturday night. Are you going to make yeah. it out to, uh, to to San Antonio this year? What are the plans uh, for you? Hopefully San Antonio. Um, might actually go with Kevin this year. Um, hopefully probably sometime late summer, see if we can get, get the days off to match up. 
Um, and then second half of the season is kind of up in the air and always just kind of depends on what we have going on and who wants to go where. And if, uh, if, if we have the, the money in the mad fires war chest for it. Well, and that's, and if you can get the time off, right. I'm not sure if you can be taking right. time off with, uh, within your job, like, Hey, you just started here three months ago. What do you want to do now? Right. So it, it, it we'll see. Um, that, that's the one, that's the one that I have on the map. Uh, I'll probably do a couple weekends out in, in uh, Peoria. Um, nice. But San, San Antonio is a trip that I, that I have on the map if, if we can make it work. Oh, that'd be great. Uh, so let's move on to El Paso. Uh, this is Nick Trujillo uh, for MLB Pipeline on McKenzie Gore's AAA debut. I watched this game uh, just with bated breath. You know, even after spring training, you don't know how it's going to go once you get into affiliate, once it really kind of counts. Uh, and uh, he just did phenomenal. So this is from Nick. In the season debut, the left-handed threw five scoreless innings with seven strikeouts, allowing two hits in AAA El Paso's 3-1 loss to Round Rock. Gore missed bats while filling up the zone, tossing 43 of his 63 pitches for strikes and registering 11 swing and misses. Good, out- good outings always help. We were confident going in. We've done a lot of work and we threw the ball well in spring training, said Gore after a start. That's that, you know, that that's the talk about the we, not him. It's like he has a whole team behind him to uh to get back on track. And that's what I love to hear from him. Gore fan seven Rangers, uh Gore fan, Rangers number seven prospect, Josh H. Smith, to start the game and didn't allow a hit until Elier Hernandez singled to lead off the third inning. Gore allowed another single to Leon Tavares. Leody Tavares, sorry, to start the fourth inning, but got Zach Rakes to ground into a 4-6-3 double play at batter later and ended his day with four consecutive punch-outs, getting, first getting Yohel Pozo to strike out swinging, then retiring Matt Carpenter, Sam Huff, and Hernandez on 15 pitches in total. That Matt Carpenter at bat was lefty on lefty. And, you know, much like he did against um, Hunter Pence back in 2019, uh, Hunter Pence was down in ah, God. I can't remember. I think it's Frisco Rough Riders came was down there for um, right. yeah yeah was down there for uh, for rehab and was back when Gore was Gore and and struck him out in his first at bat and I don't think he got a hit off him maybe just a single in that first you know against him but it was good to see him actually go against someone with some serious major league time and he can get major leaguers out. There was a ton of work and time put in into it, so I feel really prepared. I'm bringing some confidence to the mound, Gore said. Gore struggled with AAA to start the season and was sent to the Padres Arizona Complex for more mechanical work. You never know what you're going to get that point. You never know. Stop. Hold on. Thank you very much. <laughs> you never want to get to that point or think that you're going to be that guy that has to do that. But it was what we had to do, said Gore. It was demotion to rookie ball. This game is hard, but you can get bad quick. You can get back quick. It makes you appreciate the guys that are really successful. Just understanding that the game is not easy and it takes a lot of work. I've always been a guy that works hard, but I had to really figure out what was right for my body. And that's what these last couple of years have done, Gore said. There's still a ton of work I need to do to get better, so I'm just staying locked in and what we think I need to do to get better, and we'll see what happens. You know, just, just the humility that, that comes off him, and you know it, it's going to bring it. He's going to bring it here. He's going to bring it to the major league team. Um, 
it's just really nice to have him back. Yeah. And it, it, it's such a process and, and you have to think when that's the thing that you're really good at, like your whole life, you've been the, probably the best guy on every team you ever played on. And all of a sudden you're so close to, to realizing your dream and you're going all the way back to the complex to, to reconfigure. That's gotta be so mentally draining on top of just the time and effort it takes physically. And it's really cool to see that mindset on him now that he's really just embraced the process with it. And I, you know, it's, it's steps to get better because a lot of, you can see a lot of guys just say, man, like I'm, I'm washed. <laughs> like that's the end. Right. And, right. Um, that's just so refreshing to see now that that's all paid off. It's paid off quick. I mean, yeah. that, that whole turnaround was, Less than a year. It felt so much longer than that. I mean, with COVID and then just him going out there in, in El Paso every five, you know, six days, I think back then, it just, it seemed like it took forever. And there was so much, you know, coming from when he went back to the complex, it just, he kind of went dark and you don't know, and no one knows anything because the organization isn't going to go like, oh yeah, it threw really well today. They're not going to say anything. They're just going to get the work done. Uh, and then come come to the Arizona Fall League, you're like, okay, here we go. This is our first chance to see him. And that first outing, I believe, in, in the Fall League was pretty good. Wasn't stellar, but, you know, he was missing bats and he had a little bit of velo. Um, and then the second, you know, then it just seemed like the second start, it just fell apart. And that was the last we saw of him. Until, yeah, you know, it, it, it was it was a mixed bag in the Fall League, um, which was a little frustrating because, you know, the Complex League, it was kind of a steady buildup. Um, I mean, it was, it was insane, you know, driving out to surprise and, and seeing the guy throwing that level and he's seen a bunch of 18 year olds throwing and um, but he was building up to something in the fall league to kind of tail off like that. It was like, okay, so now he's going to go back under the curtain for a few months. And, and hopefully when he shows up again in front of a camera, he's doing really well. And he was, I mean, it was, yeah. it, it was amazing. Yeah. And you know it it uh it makes you just it makes you wonder how that what changed from the the wind up like uh, the shirt I have that you know the the dominate today is a, is a silhouette of him with his hands high that mm -hmm. leg is way high and to have to just kind of boil that down to where it is now which the hands are just about head level uh the leg isn't i don't think it's straight out as much as it's more up and into the body so it's a little more tighter a little compressed of a of a of a delivery maybe a little bit shorter um and into work it is just it's just phenomenal and you know it's a great problem that the padres have with you know with snell with clever just still like you know a little ways away from from being ready and the first trip through the um the first trip through the the order or the rotation this year has been stellar. Although right now you Darvish just gave up six runs in this game, but the first time through, just like everyone was just dealing. So to have then three extra guys, and then on top of that, trading away um, Chris Paddock and then down having Ryan Weathers in AAA, like finally that plethora of pitching that we thought we had last year seems to be here. And even more so, uh, and and working uh, to start this season. Oh yeah, if, if if there's a point this year where they have to decide which of their seven capable starters can go, yeah. uh, bring it on. I mean, right. yeah, <laughs> that that would just be so awesome. I and mean, we've never really seen that lately. So you know, bring it on. You know, absolutely. Maybe even to think a little bit farther down the line, 
since you have Clevenger on a on a probably innings list on an innings pitch list, maybe there is a sixth man in the rotation, or maybe they piggyback for most of the season. But I don't, I just don't see, I don't see that. But it's a possibility. Yeah, it doesn't sound like either AJ or Melvin want to do that, but stranger things have happened. And I, I think they definitely, I don't think they have the flexibility to even really do it after May 2nd. Right. But you never know. I mean, I also never thought, I thought Javi Guerra was going to be on the team forever because they never seemed to want to get rid of him. So, you know, things yeah. happen quickly. Yeah. God, I saw that today. It's like Javi Guerra. Ah, oh, God, I remember watching him. He was going to be a Fernando Tatis Jr., you know, um, and that didn't happen. I watched him in, in Lake Elsinore and it just, the, the glove was there. The, the feeling was there. Just the bat was just not there. And then along comes Gabriel Arias and he looked really good and he was, you know, it would come on the podcast and, and to have him be traded after getting Fernando Tatis Jr. is like, woof. And then now you have you know, like guys like Jackson Merrill coming up and another shortstop. And then CJ Abrams just blew up on the scene. Like they're, you know, despite what the Padres have done with to get, you know, some of the major league talent that they have trading away a lot of those guys. Um, that's kind of what that's for. You hear a lot about on, on Twitter, and social media where, well, none of your guys are, you know, homegrown. Well, they can't fit all those guys. You know, we can't have four shortstops. We can't have, you know, three third basemen. We have only so many, so much room in the major league roster to, to have those guys. And so what do you do with them? You trade them. Yep. It, it's like, uh, do you remember when they used to do like the mother's baseball cards at the stadium? They do the giveaway and yeah. you get like, you get like, 10 Trevor Hoffman's and you'd have to go around and trade them and get your set. That's roster construction. <laughs> I mean, you, yeah, like you said, you, you've got four shortstops and maybe one of them can learn the outfield, but two of them aren't suited for it. You're going to find a team that really wants a shortstop and then you got a right-handed pitcher. Right. Right. Absolutely. So, Hey, that's about all we've got. Um, Mark, I really want to thank you for coming to pinch hitting for us. I was, yeah, uh, I really appreciate it. Yeah. It's good to be here. It's always good to talk this kind of stuff. So, um, apologies if my mind is too fried from hockey to get back into baseball mode, but yeah, it's always fun, man. All right. Yeah. Well, that's no, you, you did, you did great. And I really appreciate you coming and pinch hit. And uh, you know, if, if it happens, it really doesn't want to, uh, you know, it doesn't feel in uh, feeling under the weather. We'd love to have you come back on for sure. You know, you know how to find me. All right, cool. I really appreciate it, man. Well, that's it. Hey, you can find me on Twitter at SD Donovan, Mark, where can I find you on Twitter? Uh, Mark F Wilkins. All right. Thank you very much. Have a good day and go Padres.